June 10th, 2010. VGN Radio presents Kevin's Oblast Radio with your host, Kevin Baird. And Alex. Tonight's topic, Japan. So I got um, Alex on the show. Yay. Welcome. Yay. And um, if you've never listened to this show before, uh, this is um, an outreach of uh, mine, Kevin's uh, show from um, Video Game News Radio. And uh, if you um, find the show interesting, uh, please go to videogamenews.com. And the first post on the front page, if you click on that, will tell you how to get this show, which is Kevin Toblast Radio, as well as all the other shows we do, and um, as well as links, email, contact information, and all that other good stuff. So definitely check it out. Um, Alex is a... Uh, you're Japanese. Are you 100% Japanese, Alex? I am uh, half Japanese. Half Japanese. Uh, 50% split between Japan and Germany. Oh, actually. There you go. Yeah. That's, Super access power. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got the you got you got the got the combined uh yeah, the combined evil in you. That's awesome. Yeah, right. In in high school a bunch of uh the the white power kids would come up to me and be like, Oh my god, you know, you are racial perfection and I'm just like, Oh thanks. You know? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um so uh let's see. Um we, we're going to talk a little bit about the World War II stuff. I know everybody's kind of interested mostly in that kind of conversation, but I thought I would um, break it down with Alex so everybody got a little bit of a background on him um, as to uh, where he uh, is at currently so um, you know everybody can understand a little bit more um, about your background, et cetera. So when you start talking, they, they know, you know that you're not full of shit or something. Um, do you speak Japanese? Yeah, I, uh, I I took it a little bit in high school. Um, my my dad doesn't speak Japanese. Uh, my grandparents do, but my dad doesn't. And so I learned it in high school. And then um, my junior year of high school, which was 2005, I went to Japan to live for a year. So when I came back, I'm I was you know pretty, pretty fluent. fluent. But at this point, I've kind of lost a lot of it. Um, I understand you know 80% of what people speak at me, but. Uh, as far as communicating back with them, it's kind of one of those situations where it's like, mm, you know, this word I'm trying to say is either fuck you or hello. Right. <laughs> Must be really awkward for your dad around the holidays and stuff when you're all sitting around and uh, everybody's talking Japanese except him. And uh, Yeah, yeah. He he, uh, he came to visit me in Japan and, um, you know, he, he he's full Japanese and looks at it and, like, he would, he would be driving around and they'd be, you know going off at him and he just kind of like smile and nod and like push me in front of him and shit you know talk to these people Alex and I'm like alright that's that's the American way right there that's all awesome. yeah right you know you just smile and nod man it'll work great so where were you um you so uh, you, you mm, I don't want to talk too much about your grandparents yet but um okay. what what um what uh Alex was saying um beforehand was that uh his um, grandparents came over to the United States in 1945 with your yeah. with your father. Correct. And, yeah. Okay. They moved to Sacramento, California. Okay. And, uh, Terrific. Yeah. And so, um, your dad was raised in Sacramento, and then he got married out there. Or where where yeah, were, yeah. Where, where were you born? I was born in Sacramento, also. Okay. Um, when they came back, my dad just kind of stayed in the U.S. and yeah, he went. He met my mom in college and. Okay. Then they boned out me, I guess. Okay. Was your mom actually from Germany, or was she um, just a you know German you know parents that kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. She uh, her parents were German, um, from Germany, I believe. 
and then they moved to like North Dakota or some <laughs> state like that. And uh, I guess there's a bunch of Germans out there. And uh, then in, a, in let's see, it must have been the '50s, they moved to to California. So. Yeah, I think back then, especially um, the population of Sacramento was bigger than the whole state of North Carolina or North um, North Dakota. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> so desolate up there. Um, okay, so uh, you were born in Sacramento, and uh, you um, have you live have you you know is that where you went to school? Did you live there the whole time, or did you? Did yeah, you yeah, yeah. I say I'm I'm pretty much a California boy. Right. Um, the only other place that I've lived other than California was actually Japan. So. Okay. Spend most of my time here. But mostly in Sacramento. You, I know, like you yeah. said, right now you're in San Francisco, but I mean, did you go to high school in Sacramento and everything? Right, right, yeah, yeah. The first, I guess, 18 years of my life were in Sacramento, and you, then you, uh, the you, last three years were in San Francisco. That's the Sacramento. Is that the, that's the capital of California, right? Or no? Yeah, Sacramento. Yeah. It's, 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 I don't know. No? It's weird. I can, I can get into Sacramento if you really want to hear about it, but... I, is it, you know what, I was there because I believe... I mean, if I'm thinking of the right place, I was there because it's close to Lake Tahoe. And, right, right. Um, it's halfway between the Bay Area and Lake Tahoe. Right, right. And my mom lives in Lake Tahoe. Um, yeah, she's moving, but she's been there for about 10 years. And I, I, I went up to Sacramento for a little while when I, um, I rented a... I went to E3... And then I rented a car, and I drove up, and I was in Sacramento for a little bit, and then I went over to Lake Tahoe. So I mean, that, so my experience with it is, um, you know, limited, but uh, right. it's okay. It's you know, it's it. You know what it is? It's it's your typical. Um, I mean, from my viewpoint, it looks like your typical capital type town. It's kind of like how Columbus is to Ohio or something. It's like it's you know, it's it's medium size. It's not you know, for whatever reason, like your capital is never like your big city or something. I mean, right? Yeah, that always trips me out. Sometimes it is, I guess. I don't know, but you know, but it's like you would think like New York City would be the capital of New York, but it's not. You know, you think Los Angeles would be the capital of California, but it's not. I yeah, exactly. it's, it's it's always like that. It's always like some medium sized city sitting out on the side or something like that. But that's cool. Um, so uh, you liked it there? You like growing up there? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's Sacramento's a really chill place. It's kind of like Californians are, are pretty laid-back people in general. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, it, it, I don't know, it's, it's weird. Like, Southern California and Northern California kind of have this weird beef going on where, like, people from Northern California don't really like Southern California and vice versa. <laughs> so, I mean, there's that. And, um, yeah, no, it's just it's a really nice place to live. You know, it's, um, you know what's funny is that... Um, I have my, um, I do uh, consulting work on this. I just want to bring this up. I, I do consulting work on the side. I, I build websites for um, uh, businesses and fraternities. And um, uh, I have a, um, a partner who does um, the artwork um, for my for the websites. I do more of the data handling on the back end, and he does right. the actual artwork. And you guys have the, he, he actually lives down in um, San Diego, but you guys have like the same accent. Which you wouldn't, oh, yeah. yeah, you wouldn't think you have an accent, but it's right. It's it's the same sort of California kind of. You have sort of a, um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? It's it's like um, casual tone to your voice, which cool. is a cool. little bit different than it is out here in the Midwest. Or I mean, if you go out, you know, look at if you ever listen to like a Kuma show, um, you know. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, you can pick up a New York accent or whatever. It's uh, it's completely different. But uh, yeah, I mean, in, in the Midwest, we talk we talk pretty quick. And um, mm-hmm. when I was living in California, it was um, it's interesting because most most um, people that were sort of born in the United States that live in California um, t- tend to talk um, sort of casual. And mm-hmm. um, yet, if you, there were a lot of there were a lot of Mexicans and. Uh, 
span you know hispanics talk fast you know it's yeah. you know they just like especially girls you know they're just like <laughs> you know they're just flying and you're like wow you know it's just yeah, like right. what's going on there you know it's it's like a different it's like a different thing i, I don't know i don't know if i'm being uh, if i'm being racist by talking about mexicans talking fast but um no it's, it's true man like <laughs> especially in california you get a lot of that and they're just like blah, 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 blah. Whoa. yeah 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 and everybody's i was like cool man that's awesome yeah they, 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 <laughs> yeah <laughs> everybody's yeah. all high out here and shit it's like whoa right right my brother <laughs> picked up a lot of his slang that he has from uh hanging out in california for a long time too because he lived he was at the station in long beach and we were always out in the summertime yeah, yeah, that's, what he, that's what i heard so he, he has a little bit different of a um a draw but anyway enough about my bullshit um so you're in uh, sacramento and uh so then you um you got straight a's because you're you're part asian right and you automatically get right, straight exactly a's. yeah <laughs> my my father would beat me with a broken sword when uh <laughs> when i would bring home a b you know a b plus or something right 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 no no yeah, but uh stand me like a little tiny sword and be like you know what to do you know right so, right <laughs> but um so so were your grades actually good yeah, I mean, I was a, I was a, I, you know, I kind of associate myself with Larry Mac a little bit. You know, I'm, I'm kind of a <laughs> no, you don't want to do slacker student. <laughs> yeah, I get B's a lot. You know, I don't really try that hard. I could probably get A's if I really applied myself. Sure. But, you know, I don't really. Yeah. So that's cool. So you, um, so you, so you, you're going to, um, you, you go to college. You got accepted, to, or is it community college? What, what are, what are you doing? Tell me. I, I got a, I got a SF State, or I did. I'm uh, moving back to Sacramento currently, but that's not really interesting at all. But yeah, so I went to SF State as a, a hospitality management student, and it's like hotel management, restaurant management, that sort of thing. But because uh, actually, when I was in Japan, I, I really uh, liked the food and the culture and all that, and you know, hospitality management—you get to travel a lot, so it kind of formed my my life path and all that bullshit Hospi- hospita- uh, hospitality management that's what you want to do really yeah yeah i thought it'd be kind of cool you know like running a hotel or something like that oh boy i can tell you all about hotels it's actually um yeah it's a because i worked in them for freaking ever um it's actually a uh, uh that's a good that's a good career choice um yeah. the, the um uh, when i was um working in um Stouffer Hotels, which was owned by Nestle, um, mm-hmm. they had sent out a document that said, um, in in the future, um, which is now, that right. um, there would be a work shortage, a worker shortage. There would not mm-hmm. be enough people to fill positions um, in the hotel management, um, uh, you know, because of um, uh, lack of um, uh, lack of people, lack of training. So they were. They, yeah. they had this whole thing about having to like take, you know, make sure things are wheelchair accessible. It was like this weird document about, you know, to make sure that like you could just you, you could hire anybody, you know, like yeah. make sure it was good. Cool. So uh, yeah, so I think it's a good, um, it's a it's a good it's a good good career move. Although it's there's a lot of turnover in, in hotels, so you got to be prepared to um, lose your job every so often. Yeah, that's kind of what they they told us. It's like, you know, it's a, it's a fun career, but. You know, it's difficult to make it work. I guess. Right. Yeah. So. Be be a food and beverage manager if you ever get to do that job because that's uh, that's really? a, that's a choice job because you get to um you get to boss all the cooks around but you don't have to take any of the blame you just blame it on all nice. that you're just like you know it's the cook's fault but your management 
so you get to go around and give people like free meals and everything, which is great. Yeah. You know, great for your um, your cred. You know, and everybody right. has to respect what you do. And the only person you really answer to is the GM of the hotel. And the GM of the hotel is usually a guy or a girl who's a bit um, like a like a figurehead more than anything else. It's somebody who just mm-hmm. kind of comes in and um, you know. Uh, it just shakes people's hands, you know, like right. uh, looks you know. good for the camera and meets guests. Exactly like right. And if you're a, if you're a food if you're a food and beverage director, you get a really it's a good um, it, it's just it's a good position. It pays well, and yet you don't really have to do any of the work. I mean, sometimes you got to order stuff. You know, it depends mm-hmm. on how they do it. You know, but that's you know you got to make sure the liquor cabinet's locked. It just depends on where yeah. you work. But it's um, it's a good deal. Anyway, I got a. I got a caller. If anybody wants to call into the show, talk to uh, Alex or I. The phone number for tonight's show is 347-327-9476. 347-327-9476. And we also have the chat room open at blogtalkradio.com forward slash VGN. And, I should uh, go there. I know this is Jedi waiting, so I'm going to get him on the air here. Really. If it actually works, because sometimes I don't I press the button. Okay, there we go. Jedi, you're on the air, man. Hello? Hello. Hey, man, how's it going? Good. Although I'm listening to um, I'm listening to Alex type really loud into his microphone. Sorry. Oh, is that what that is? Yeah. <laughs> it's not like, you know, wind blowing the shutters against the wall or something. Right. Um, I just had a quick question for you. I was going to write you in, but I, I guess I missed the deadline as usual. Um, I was watching um, Paths of Glory, that uh, Stanley Kubrick movie about World War One. I. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Uh, I don't think um, I saw that one, no. Okay. Well, I'm only halfway through it. But anyway, it got me thinking. Um, I wanted to know how exactly a warfare changed from conventional or from trench warfare um, in World War One, which was, seemed to be heavily used, it was like that was all they did. You know, they sat in trenches and they advanced a few yards every month or so into um, World War Two warfare, where you know they had trenches at points, but they never they didn't seem to sit there and camp out in them for months and months on end. I just wanted to know if you knew how that um, sure. tactics changed. Or yeah, what it actually that. happens in World War One. It's that's that's a good question, and and it's and it's true. I, I, I Brian is really interested in World War One. I'm not. Um, Brian is like um, he reads books about it all the time. He's really fascinated by it. I I don't like it because of because it was the trench warfare, and I find it kind of boring. It's also a kings and queens war type of thing, and um, right. it really kind of don't really care who the winner is, as far as I'm concerned. You know, because it's like which aristocrat is going to win, where meanwhile all the people sure. are dying. But um, it was the it was the creation of tanks um, that actually changed uh, trench warfare. But primarily, what that means is is um, uh, your artillery and your weaponry got lighter. Um, the tank was able to drive over the trenches. So if you watch the History Channel or something, they'll always tell you, the tank changed the war. And they'll show those giant machines driving over the trenches. Really, though, I mean, those things were probably only limited in effectiveness. But what it was right. was that you ended up with, you know, in the beginning stages of the war, you had machine guns, but they were incredibly heavy. They were water-cooled. You know, you couldn't just carry them over into another trench and just start blowing guys away Rambo style. And same with your artillery. Your artillery was very large, sometimes, you know, gigantic, 
and, and always in fixed emplacements. And, uh, you know, a lot of this uh, technology just changed. You know, you, you ended up with, you know, in World War II, of course, you know, ended up with um, bazookas and rocket launchers and uh, things like that. And, and so there was, this, there was this shift towards a very rapid um, uh, military, you know, uh, see, the only way I can describe it is the Blitzkrieg, which is the Germans, the Germans developed this method of going in and um, attacking in a strike force. You know, fast tanks, paratroopers out of the sky, guys with machine guns just streaming in from all sides, which makes trench warfare stupid. Because, you know, right. you, 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 a biplane isn't going to really help you to drop a guy with a parachute in to take over another, you know, another strategic point. But, um, you know, now you had larger planes that people could drop in and, and drop out. So it really depended on uh, the equipment being lighter. Uh, the um, the advent of tanks being able to drive over things and, and move more rapidly, so your logistics altogether just got faster, and that's what changed it, you know. But you know, at the same time, trench warfare didn't completely go away because in Vietnam, the Vietnamese used it to great effectiveness. I mean, they basically you know hung out underground, but also dug very long trenches uh, to do battle with. Um, uh, forces in the United States. That's how that's how they would actually go in and uh, attack bases. Uh, you know that the United States would have um, on the South Korean side. They would actually just start in the on the tree line and just and actually just sit there overnight, like while they were laying siege to a base, and just dig a trench and move it closer and closer to the walls of the of the base. And the base can't use their machine guns or anything down because the trench is there. So um, trench warfare is not completely dead. It's just um, you know it. It probably isn't going to help you in the desert. Um, Saddam Hussein had his troops in trenches, and uh, we actually put um, uh, uh, bulldozers on our tanks and just drove dirt over them, and drove over nice. them. So um, yeah, it was it was completely non-effective there, but it was very effective in in the jungle. And I'm sure the North Koreans have a ridiculous number of tunnels and trenches um, that they would still use today. So hope that right. helps. Yeah. Okay, but yeah, that's that's kind of what I, I thought. I just I know that tanks came that there were tanks in world war one at some point right near the I just, end i don't know much about world war one at all and um and so i just was kind of curious as to if that was how it changes but i guess it makes sense that technology changes i forgot you know the machine gun wasn't really you know it was this mounted thing right you know? right and it was all <laughs> horses gun, you know yeah horses and and uh you just didn't have a really rapid way of moving from, you know, they just, you know, they all just got up and ran to the other one. They're like, ah, you know, and then the machine guns would just mow them down and everything. And maybe you got a few guys over to the other trench, you know, and um, yeah, yeah, it was, it wasn't very effective. But once, you know, it just, over time, there was just efficiencies made that enabled them to, um, to win. Yep. Okay, cool. Well, Thanks for the answer. I gotta go. Um, sure, thanks uh, for I will calling. Say, Kevin, you should check out uh, Paths of Glory because it's a movie that's way ahead of its time. I'll check it out. I never even heard of yeah, it before, so I'll watch I it. I hadn't either. I just saw it on Netflix, but it's good. Cool, man. Thanks All for right, calling. Have Take a good, it easy. Good show. Peace. Okay. Sorry about that, Alex. That's <laughs> no, good. Get back to you. Yeah, that's a cool guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, so you're in college. You're at uh, you you you're at you're taking hospitality, and uh, how long have you been doing that? Uh, this is, let's see, I've been doing it for about two years now. Okay. And, and so you're pretty happy with it. 
Yeah, it's it's a it's definitely um, I didn't know it existed at all. You know, the hospitality management thing, right. and uh, yeah, once I found it, it just kind of fell into it. It's, it's it's pretty cool. I like it a lot. Yeah, I mean, um, a lot of people go into go into college with intentions to be like um, zoologists or um, I don't know. You know, everybody goes in for like I'm gonna be. Uh, you know, uh, uh, an investment banker or something, and then they take the class yeah. and they're like, "Oh, this is this." I don't oh, this. Do. Yeah, and uh, and then they end up with a communications degree. Um, yeah. No, that's that's a, that's an ongoing joke. But um, uh, but you seem to be pretty good with it. I mean, your first two years, though, isn't that mostly just like you're taking like English and math again and everything? Isn't it like just kind of like your associates type of stuff? Or yeah, you, I yeah. I didn't really. Uh, choose classes correctly that often so uh i actually don't have a lot of my general education classes out of the way yet um you'd be surprised how many crazy just like elective classes they have in college um i took a vampire literature class which was really cool um you know we read shit and just kind of studied vampires through through the ages but of course you know that really doesn't lead towards me graduating so i'm, I'm actually kind of uh, about two years behind on top of the two years that i've been there yeah you know so you know whatever six year plan you know what i mean <laughs> right right and you know that's you know whatever works man you know if the yeah, it, yeah. It, 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 if you get the education out of it then that's that's the important thing i mean i know people that went to have been going to school like you know i'm 38 and i've got friends that um, are around my age and they're still in school and you know yeah. um and i've got i've had friends that um uh, uh like i had a friend who got like straight A's in, in high school, like better than straight A's, you know, one, one of those people that got like the 4.25 or something, and you go, right, how, did, right. how did they get higher than 4.0, yeah. you know? Isn't, isn't 4.0 perfect? <laughs> right, <laughs> and, 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 and um, he was going to be a doctor, but he didn't end up, um, due to circumstances, he ended up not being able to um, leave uh, the area, and he so mm. he tried to get into medical school at um, uh, Case Western, and he wasn't mm -hmm. really able to do it because, basically, he's white. And the waiting yeah. list for a white guy was um, really long. I mean, if you, you know, I, it, it's a weird thing to say, but if you're, a, if you're some sort of um, minority, it's easier to get in. So um, right. he ended up like... Yeah, I, I would speak Asian white whenever I apply for anything. Right. right. And he, he ended up... Um, uh, Going to you know he he got like a, a um a master's in hospital management ended up managing a hospital and um nice. uh and then he decided that he would go into nursing and he um he just recently finished um getting his uh his nursing degree and the guy's like thirty seven years old you know so yeah. I mean it whatever works you know if you continually educate yourself that's really the most important thing because the 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 market out there switches all the time on you and you just have to keep you have to keep going with it. it it's a rare thing if you go into school get your education come out and you know everything for the rest of your life that you're going to need it, yeah, it's really right. not going to happen i mean maybe you know <laughs> if you get lucky it's all about luck all right anyway yeah. um okay so now at some point you went to japan that's right yeah i went in 2000 Five and came back in 2006. Was this an exchange student for, thing for high was school? That? Was it an exchange student for high school thing? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I went with, uh, I mean, if anybody's interested, if you got high school student listeners, um, the Rotary Youth Exchange is what I went with, and they're, they're fucking dope. Like, I, I think it was, let's see, I had to pay, like, 
two grand for the whole year. Like that, that was the, my out of pocket cost. It was basically just a plane ticket, an open ended plane ticket that I had to purchase. Wow. But other than that, they gave me, uh, they, you know, they, they hooked me up with houses over there. I had three host families. Um, they took care of everything. They gave me a monthly stipend. Well, well now tell me, no. tell me how this works. So you, um, you, you say, you know what, Dad, I'm tired of this shit. I'm going to go to Japan. <laughs> and your dad's like, all right, get the fuck out. And um, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you, um, so you, you know, you have that conversation or whatever it is, and you, um, the school basically says, okay, this is what you're going to do. Like, what do they give you? They give you like, um, like a piece of paper that says you're going to go to the airport. This is the family you're going to meet at the airport, and uh, this is what you're supposed to take. Or how does that work exactly? Pretty much, it's a situation where, like, uh, once you get accepted and they tell you, you know, which country you're going to, you basically have no idea where in that country you're going to be at. Um, you, you, have, you have sponsoring. This is all done through the Rotary Club. Um, you, you know, you have sister clubs or whatever in your country of destination, and um, they kind of, they kind of, basically, yeah, they just tell you, you know, we've accepted you. You're going to go. This is the date when you're going to go, and uh, they give you an email address of you know your first host family, and then you you, you know it's up to you to kind of contact them and see basically what you're gonna what what your new life is going to be like for the next year. It, it's it's pretty it's pretty exciting, and uh, I mean it was a lot of fun and all that. Um, yeah, Rot- Rotary Youth Exchange. That's that's what I want. Right. And, so uh, so you got a, so you got this information about what family you're going to stay with. And you yeah. you get on, so they give you a plane ticket, or do you got to go buy it yourself? Whoa, did I lose you? Yeah, sorry about that. Pretty much the I'm sorry, I, I, you faded out there for a second. Can you uh, didn't hear any of your answer. Okay. Sorry. The uh, the plane ticket, like I said, was was the only real cost that I had to do. Um, the the Rotary Club took care of everything else. They just kind of yeah, they, they they gave me all the information, and I just you know, okay. So you just in, you, in June I left. So you just got it. So you just went. Where'd you end up? Like Tokyo Airport or something? Or um... yeah, I left. Uh, let's see. I went from Sacramento Airport to Portland, where I hooked up with all the other uh, students from my little group who are going to Japan. Right. And from Portland, we flew to Tokyo, and then uh, spent the night there. The people who were staying um, on the main island of Honshu, you know, they kind of all split off. And then I went to the the North Island. Wait, hold on, no, hold on, hold on, because I'm going to slow you down a little bit. So you arrive in Tokyo, and you mm-hmm. get off the plane, and you're you you got a place to sleep. I mean, what are they? Yeah, yeah. They're... There was there was a guy um, from my island that had come down to kind of greet me, and okay. this other guy who was going up to the same island I was. Okay. And we we stayed uh, in a hotel in Tokyo for the night. Um, and could and you understand? Could you? The guy then, took us to the airport. Could you? And, could uh, you we un- on the planes? Could you understand him at that point? No, he he, he spoke broken English. Um, kind of lots of pointing and smiling and like thumbs up, things like that. You know, I mean, he got his point across, and I didn't get you know kidnapped and taken to North Korea or anything like that. But right, uh, so that was, it was right. it was very difficult to communicate with him at that point. <laughs> Points you to an old biplane or something. He's like, yeah, oh, right, you know, going over here, and just <laughs> fly over to the. <laughs> Yeah, right. North Korea. Okay, so um, okay, so you spent the night, it's your first night in Japan. So were you were you kind of freaking out? Were you freaked out about no, any of it? Yeah, I was, I was like, I, I could barely sleep. You know, it, this was a kind of a dream for me, and I was just like rocking out. I was kind of going around buying a bunch of like bullshit Japanese magazines and like you know. Did you did you play pachinko or anything as soon as you got there? 
Not 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 the first night. There was I we actually stayed in an airport hotel, so we couldn't get out into Tokyo. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, Narita Airport is uh, it's the Tokyo airport, but it's actually about an hour and a half outside of the city proper. Okay. So yeah, we were we were kind of stuck out there for for that for, night. for that day. So when now when you say this guy's on an island, I mean, what are we talking about? We we're talking about you're going to some little. Um, uh, little like um, Gilligan's Island type size place, or I mean, what what are we? Cause, no, I mean, no, all no, of Japan no. is an island, uh, so I don't know what that you know means exactly. Right, Japan has uh, four main islands. Okay. Uh, there's Honshu, which is uh, the island that Tokyo's on. Okay. The it's the biggest. Then you've got two in the south of. Um, fuck, how can I not remember the names of these islands? There's Kyushu. And one other one that I never went to. That's fine. Right on. Uh, yeah. No, no, not important. The, the, the island that I went to was called uh, Hokkaido, which is the North Island, which is actually on the same latitude as Alaska. Ah, okay. So, it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty fucking cold there. Um, and being from California, you know, I, I froze my ass off for the first winter. You know, I never dealt with snow or anything like that. I went over with a pair of uh, Chuck Taylor Converse shoes and, like, <laughs> Yeah, after after like the the first month, you know, when when we got like six inches of snow in one night, and I was walking around going, mm, my feet are fucking cold, you know. You know, honestly, then, I never really thought about Japan being cold. I know that you know Nagano, they had the Winter Olympics there and everything, but you know that was up in the mountains. I figured, I thought the mainland yeah, would just yeah. be like, I don't know, tropical. But now that you mention it, yeah. I guess guess that's not true. You know, I guess yeah, it's winter. It, it, it was a surprise to me, definitely. You know. Wow. Okay, so um, so you go uh, from Tokyo to, to this island, and yeah, okay. um, it, it's uh, it's I believe it's the second largest island. So it's a pretty big island. Okay. You know, it, it takes maybe yeah. three or four hours to drive across in one direction. Okay, so it's huge, right? Okay, yeah, it's not Gilligan's Island. Got it. Um, no, 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 it's not that tiny. Okay, and so um, what time of year was this? Was this summer or when? It, when yeah, this was. Let's see. I think I left. June, no, I left in late August, so it was uh, it was pretty hot. And Japan's a fucking muggy ass country, man. Like it is, you know. In California, I, I deal with a lot of like dry heat. It'll get you know over a hundred degrees here, but it's it's just you know bone dry. And over there, it's it's you know humid and just shirt sticks to you. It was it was pretty fucking nasty. Now, do they go uh, the school year round? I mean, did you like immediately get there and they're like tomorrow school, you know, or um <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, their their uh their school year is is different from ours whereas uh in America, the the summer is the end of the school year, right? Right. Their summer vacation is actually in the middle of their school year. So, the school year begins and ends in I believe it ends in December and begins in February. And then, you wow. know, you go, wow. and then in the middle of the year, you have a two-month break of summer vacation. Which is, okay, during the summer, all right. Yeah. Okay, not like February, because that would be weird. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's like, no, okay, so. it's the worst time of year you guys have off. Thank you very much. Yeah, right, yeah. Go have fun. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you got there then, um, when, when school was starting? Yeah, I got there um, right as their summer vacation was ending. Okay, great. Yeah. And um, uh, was the grade, did they have the same grade set up? I mean, what grade, were you a senior at that point, or were you a junior? I was, I should have been a senior in America. Right. But because of their, the, because they are, you know, six months ahead of us, as far as their school schedule goes, I was grouped with um, 
basically a junior class. Okay. And then I stayed with them for six months and then transferred to a senior class with them. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And uh, were you the only American in the school? Yeah. No, I was, uh, I was the only American in the town. It was a town of about 10,000 people. Awkward. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Right? <laughs> You know, you think when you think you're going to Japan, you know, you think like neon lights and all that shit. But I went to like butt fuck nowhere up in you know the uh, the hills and shit, and it was uh, it was de- definitely an experience being the only white guy in the in the city. Was it like Shenmue? Did you ever play Shenmue? Or was it all like? Oh, dude, I love that game. Yeah. <laughs> was it all like it, pa- uh, paper houses and stuff, and you had to go to the dojo every morning <laughs> and fight your master before you could go yeah, out right, and you know. just run around and um, collect? things out of gumball machines and shit um that stuff exists you know like shinmu and uh, those kind of games definitely they they're based on fact definitely you know like all that stuff is, is not you know right right so you know, well tell me about it so you um so you get there and uh you know i'm, I'm just going to stereotype because i don't know shit about it so you tell me where i yeah. go wrong but um i'm imagining that they didn't have a four poster bed i mean were you basically on a futon sleeping on the floor or yeah yeah it's weird um the, the first person that I stayed with was a single mother, and uh, she put me up. She had a little apartment, and uh, she put me up in this room. It had uh, tatami floors, so it was uh, straw, woven straw floor mats, oh. which are, are pretty pretty comfortable um, to, like, sit on. Okay. Almost like sitting in a wicker chair just on the floor. Okay. Um, but, yeah, that, that, was, uh, that was the floor, and then I had a, a futon. Yeah, it was... Uh, I think it was maybe like three layers of a futon, and then every okay. you know every morning I would kind of fold it up, put it in the corner, and then go to, go to school. Okay, your microphone's moving around a lot. I don't know if you're wrestling a bear while you're talking to me, but um, you know. Oh, sorry about that. Is that, that better? Yeah, I I don't know. If it's just moving around a lot, it just kind of distorts the audio a little bit. It's cool. Oh, um, I don't really care, but I know somebody's gonna write in and be like, "Your fucking audio sucks," and I'll just be like, "I'm sorry." Never listening to this show again. Yeah, terrible audio quality. <laughs> don't listen to this shitty show. He asks yeah. dumb questions about Japan. Um, <laughs> yeah. People never listen before. I have no idea what this is about. Um, all right, so. Um, so the house itself, I mean, what is it built out of? I mean, I always see these things that look like they're made out of, like, construction paper. Is it uh, just, is it all wood? Is it just, like, a regular house where you were at, or is it... Um... Yeah, I mean, the island that I was on, like I said, it, it was really cold, and okay. it's kind of... I don't it, it's hard to explain. The, the island of Hokkaido is kind of, I don't want to say the, the bitch of all the other islands, <laughs> but it's like... It's kind of like everybody kind of thinks that the people of Hokkaido are hicks, okay. And uh, you know they they it, it's it's really an kind of underdeveloped as far as Japanese standards go. It's got one major city, which is uh, Sapporo. I don't know if you've ever had Sapporo beer. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, that that actually comes from Sapporo. Gee, wow! Now I've learned something about my beer. Okay, awesome. Yeah, right. <laughs> I went to the factory. It's pretty cool. There you go. It's all like Stalinist and shit. Can you drink but, uh, there as a kid? What's the legal drinking age in Japan? <laughs> okay, so the legal drinking age in Japan is the same as the legal smoking age, okay. which is twenty. Okay. Um, yeah, I was there when I was eighteen, right? Or seventeen to to eighteen, and uh, but I actually didn't drink much when I was in America. Right. But I started drinking when I was in Japan. <laughs> Um, because it, it like basically to get to get a driver's license in Japan, it costs about uh, let's see, it costs it costs over a thousand dollars to get a driver's license in Japan. Wow! 
So yeah, so a lot of people don't get them. You know what I mean? So you'll you'll have a situation where a lot of people who are around the age of uh, you know eighteen to twenty two, because oh, you can get your driver's license at eighteen. Um, you have a lot of people between the age of eighteen and twenty two who are walking around who don't have IDs on them. You know what I mean? Sure. So when you go to a bar, if you're not dressed in like a uh, a school uniform, they automatically assume that you're no, you're not a high school student, which obviously means you can buy beer. So they sell you beer. Right. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a weird thing. I, the bar that I always went to, you know, I was, I, I was pretty chatty and talking to them about how I was, you know, 18 and shit like that. And they didn't, they didn't really care, you know? Yeah. Because what's going to happen to that? You know, probably with beer on them and shit. So it, it's not, it's not really a, uh, uh, a big deal in Japan for uh, people to be drinking underage or smoking underage for that matter. Okay. You're still fighting a bear with that microphone. What's going on with that thing, man? I don't know, man. I'm, it's uh, my shitty MacBooks <laughs> microphone, so it's like moving or something. I'm not sure. Um, it's all right. I mean, it's, only, it's it is what you can do. It's just weird. Um, okay, okay. So, uh, how did you get to school? Did you walk? I rode. Uh, let's see. Like I said, I had three host families. So the first one I would ride a bus. The second one I would walk, and the third one I would ride a train for. Okay. That's, this is really yeah. confusing me. So you had to live with three different sets of people when you were there? When yeah, they moved yeah, you yeah. Around? It, was, uh, it was three three host families, four months each. That's weird. Uh, That's awkward. So you can never really get yeah. settled. You're just, Or maybe it's good for you because you don't like the one place. You're like, thank God I'm out of here. I get to go to another yeah. one, you know. Yeah, this right. lady's it, it, was, it, so it was nice. It, it kind of gave you a lot of variety. Like the, the first family that I lived with, like I said, was a f- single mother. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it was interesting because I got to see what – you know, single mothers in Japan live like. Right. And then uh, my second host family was like a super rich guy. Just like, you know, I mean, he would, he would take me to the mall with his daughters and just drop like $800 on some fucking jeans or something for them. (laughs) And I would just kind of like stand there, you know, gasping and shit. And he was just like, "Eh, whatever, you know? uh, Yeah. Nice. I was living with him during the winter, right? And it was, uh, like I said, you know, maybe two or three meters of snow and uh he he had bought a a lamborghini a lamborghini countach wow yeah and uh, but he couldn't drive it because there was so much snow so he like built this weird little garage in in the bottom of the house and would just like sit down there and eat his dinner and like look at this lamborghini like all night wow it was it was was pretty weird yeah that is weird wow obviously he could afford the thousand dollar um driver's license charge um, yeah, right. Yeah, he was he was definitely balling. So like. so tell me then you, you about the food. Uh, it, mm-hmm. You know p- these people are obviously making dinner and feeding you. What what were you basically eating? A lot of rice. You know that's not uh, necessarily a, a, a wrong stereotype. The Japanese eat a fuck ton of rice. Right. Sure. Um, and it, it like uh, they don't waste it either. It's it's considered very rude to leave like even a single grain of rice in your bowl. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's it, it was uh, it was pretty weird, and they, they have a lot of customs that I was able to fuck up and offended a lot of people <laughs> with. Uh, yeah, as far as as far as rice and eating goes, um, they would yeah a lot of rice miso soup for breakfast. Usually, I'd have a bowl of rice and some miso. Okay. Um, Did you like that? Were you or were you just stuck with uh, it? You were like, I'd rather have some Cheerios. Do you have, do you have Cheerio? No. Okay. I'll have the soup. <laughs> I'll have the soup and the rice. 
you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> they, they, they actually have, like, Cheerios, Frosted Flakes, and all that sort of shit in Japan. Right. But it's like, it's a lot, the portions are a lot smaller. You know, maybe a box of Cheerios, you know, you see those boxes that are maybe like three inches wide and things like that. Right. The biggest box is maybe an inch and a half wide. So they're not, they're not that, that big. There's not that much cereal in them. And they're expensive as fuck. You know, you could spend like six or seven dollars on a, a, a box of Frosted Flakes, you know, so. Right. It's, it's weird like that, you know. Things that we take for granted here are sure. very expensive over there. So was it a lot of seafood? Did you get a lot of seafood in your diet? I mean, I mean they're living on an island, so I'm thinking, yeah. that, you know, you're just eating, like, weird crab and uh, um, whale eye and stuff. I don't know. I mean, were they grossing you out with anything? Were they like, here's some squid tentacles or something you got to eat? You know, none of that? I mean, I got I got a lot of that shit from my dad growing up. Sure. Like, would uh, he would feed me all kinds of weird bullshit. <laughs> Um, he, I had I had some pretty interesting stuff in in Japan. Like uh, they would they would try to gross me out with stuff. Like they would serve me. Uh, I ate fish testicles. Oh, wonderful! It, yeah, which are, which are actually pretty good. Right. Um, fish. Bones. I had uh, horse meat. Oh, really? Which, uh, yeah, yeah. Horse meat is is pretty. I wouldn't say popular, but pretty standard over there. Really? No kidding. Yeah, and and man, horse. If you if you ever get an op- opportunity. It's it's really good. Is it really? Yeah, it's super marbly, and just yeah, it's great. Well, well I know a few horses around here. I'm gonna have to go out <laughs> yeah, at night. Go 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 talk to Anderson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe Anderson was missing out on a potential gold mine of uh, you know food sale. <laughs> food, yeah. Awesome. So okay, so, so you're over there, and uh, did you get to actually leave that town? Were you able to go to say uh, um, Tokyo or you know outside yeah, of that? Yeah. I um I have a lot of relatives that live in the the main island of Honshu. Okay. Um and they would they would come over to America about every two or three years. Um but I'm I'm the only grandchild in the family. Um uh, my parents had me pretty late and uh there are no other uh grandchildren younger than me. So no, none of my family really wanted to go to Japan. You know, they never really had an interest. So when I went, um, it was kind of our family's opportunity to get, um, you know, taken care of by the family in Japan. Right. Because they would always send their, their children over to America, and we'd take them around and show them all the, all the great things so about you, America. So you got, a little, you got a little spoiled, basically. They would, uh... Yeah, you know, I, I, when, I, when I turned 18 over there, I went to, uh, I flew down to Tokyo and spent two weeks there, just kind of dicking around, getting drunk, having fun. Cool. Um, yeah, it was great. You know, Tokyo uh, is. Did you go into any arcades or anything? Were there any anymore? Were they still there? Yeah. No, the the as they call them in Japan, uh, gay sends. Okay. Which is short for game center. Yeah, we, would, we wouldn't call them that here. That wouldn't go. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> the the place where I would go to get all my all my games and all that was called Gayo. So if that if that means anything, yeah. you know, I was just like, oh, okay, I'm gonna. Go to the Gayo, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, t- um, as far as arcades go, the the UFO Catcher. Have you ever seen those? They're kind of like the claw games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Sure. Yeah, those are incredibly popular, or at least they were when I was there. You know, three years ago, it was it was like. What, what what's the yeah. prize over there? Like with the thing? Like it goes what? Oh. It's just the claw game where it goes in and grabs a teddy bear and puts it in the thing. That kind of crap? Or I mean, what are we talking? No, about? no, no. It's it's all kinds of just like crazy bullshit. Like I got a uh, 
a Lupin the Third uh, USB light. You know, it was like it was like Lupin, and he was leaning up against this little like street light, and you would plug it into your computer, and the the street light would light up. You know, just like useless bullshit. Wow. But, but it, you know, it, but it's cool. cool stuff. You know, like the thing about the Japanese is they love little knickknacks and like tchotchkes and things like that. I mean, they eat that shit up. You know what I mean? Hmm. Really? So yeah, so they have a. Uh, they have a lot of uh, little, basically useless toys, right? That they that that people will you know drop like fifteen or twenty dollars trying to get them out of these like coin games, and and they're cool. They're cool things. You know, I got a, uh, um, like a a rice bowl set and shit like that from um, Sakura Wars. You ever you ever see that anime? Yeah, I know what it is. I've never seen it, but I yeah, I know I know the name. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like there was a Sakura Wars themed little bowl and chopstick set and shit like that that I got from uh, one of those crane catchers. I got I got a uh, what is it? Oh, a, a Bulma um, action figure where she's wearing a. Uh, like a bikini or something, and it's got Master Roshi with like a huge nosebleed and shit. It's like, did you look on the yeah, back of that stuff? Did it say "Made in the USA" on the back? No, I'm no, you know, no, no. like everything we buy here, like made in Japan, yeah, made in China. Right, seriously. You know. um, okay, so um, did you play any Dance Dance Revolution or anything? I mean, uh, I yeah, they they had um, they had Dance Dance Revolution. Um, I I personally got really caught up in the whole Dance Dance Revolution craze no, in high school. <laughs> You know, I was one of those uh, those sweaty motherfuckers just, like, dancing around going, Woo! in the arcades, you know, kind of weirding everybody out. Yeah, that was awesome. me. So, uh, so when I went over there, um, it, it's weird. Dance Dance Revolution came out about, like, three years before it did in the U.S., in Japan. Okay. So by the time I was over there, it was completely old news, you know? Right. Like, me, and, me and the other exchange student kids would play it and, like, freak out and get all sweaty and high-five and shit like that. But, like... I, I don't think I ever saw a single Japanese person playing Dance Dance Revolution over there. But was, I did uh, see the machines, oddly enough. Was uh, Guitar Hero out back then, or was that later? Yeah, yeah, it was a, um, it, it was a, a Japanese game called Guitaru Man. Okay, I, I've Guitar heard of that. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah and that, it was an arcade game. It was basically uh, Guitar Hero um, or the DJ Hero sort of thing, where the lines would come up and you would, you know press the colored buttons and strum the little little key thing right right um yeah that was that was actually really popular when i was there there was a lot of guys they had a uh, a guitar version a uh, drum version a dj version um a lot a lot of a lot of music games were were pretty popular when i was there it, it was weird though because you'd see like these hardcore looking japanese dudes you know with like spiky hair and like piercings and like shit like that and they'd be rocking out on these plastic guitars, and their women would just be standing there, you know, watching them and shit. What the fuck is this, you know? Right. So, um, the, um, so you're over there, and, and uh, is the vending machine thing true? Do you find women's panties in the vending machine type of crap? I mean, is that a big thing over, not the panties thing, but is vending machines like a big deal over there? Yeah, yeah, you see a vending machine on almost every block. You know, in big cities, they they uh, they sell everything from beer to sodas to coffee to cigarettes. Um, it's just kind of a convenient way to get stuff. Um, there, there. I saw some. Let's see, what are what are some weird vending machines I saw? I saw some condom vending machines. Uh, I think there was a porno vending machine in my uh, in my hometown. Okay. Uh, and uh, but yeah, I, I never saw the the girl panties. Right. Um, sure. I believe they exist. You know, I don't. I don't think that's uh, made up. Right. But I, I never saw them for myself. 
Now, when you went, like, I, I imagine you went into, like, a video game store at some point. Um, I, I've seen on TV that there were a lot of those dating games that they had. Did you see a lot yeah. of that? Yeah. Was there a lot of that going on? Yeah, the thing, okay, so Japanese people are all crazy. Like, they all have, each, each person has this thing that they're just, like, obsessed with. You know what I mean? Okay. And a lot of Japanese guys who are into video games are also losers. So they can't get chicks, you know what I mean? Same as it is so, here, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, but they have, like, okay, it, it's, it's, they have these, yeah, the dating games that, uh, you know, so that they can, I guess, practice or something, or, like, have interactions with girls. I don't know. It's, it's weird, but, yeah, there's tons of them, man. Like, you get, you get, like, hentai games and, like, you know, dating games and princess makers and all this shit. Like, it's, it's... It's real, you know. Now, were you the bad. guy? Were you the guy that wrote me and told me that the DS was everywhere and nobody had yeah. the, the PSP at all, or something like that? I think that was you. You were saying that everywhere yeah, you went, right. people had the DS and all that kind of stuff. So that was, I mean, at this point, I think people have like um, they've built entire houses out of the DS with the number of sales they've had. But when you were there, even at the beginning stages, it was hugely popular, right? Yeah, yeah. A lot of a lot of kids would have DSs, you know, like. Uh, twelve like between the ages of probably seven and like thirteen, okay. every kid had a DS. Like every single kid would have a DS, and they would just be playing, you know, some crazy bullshit on it. Yeah. But as I, I had a PSP. You know? Oh, you like, did. I, I bought. I was one of the the PSP like fanboys when it first came out over here, and I bought like a first gen one. Okay. And uh, I think there was one other person in my school who had a PSP, and we would play games together. But yeah, it was it was not. Not as popular as the DS by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, um, the um, that's interesting that you mentioned that. Basically, kids had it. Uh, that's that's what I've always felt that it was designed for kids. But um, no, uh, the um, the culture there though around video games. Like, I, were you the guy that told me that there was like a whole education thing built around the DS and things like that? Where no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot of people. Um, a lot of a lot of adults were buying the DS because of its. Uh, the, the Japanese did something really clever where they uh, they used it as uh, an education tool, and they would sell these really popular games um, for teaching like English or different languages, things like that, where you could, uh, you know, you can write with a stylus what you want to say, and then it would like translate it for you, or you know. There would be lessons where they would say, you know, like write this in English, and then you'd have to write it in English on the on the DS and things like that. So yeah, it was um, a lot of adults were buying it and trying to learn different languages with the DS. So it was almost like a, a tool as opposed to a, a video gaming system. Interesting. All right, am I missing anything before we talk about your uh, grandparents? Anything you want to cover? Topic? Um, uh, I, I mean, I don't know if you guys would find it interesting, but uh, when I was there. As, as a, a horny 18-year-old, I was pretty shocked to find out that all pornography in Japan is censored. Right, yeah. Yeah, and that, I mean, um, a lot of people, when I got back, were asking me, what's the deal with, like, hentai? Right. And things like that, you know, like, why, why do these, these people draw, you know, chicks having sex with people and shit like that? You know, why do, why, what's up with that? With tentacle and, demons, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty true. It's kind of a weird thing, you know, when you think about it. You're like, oh, okay, these guys are going to, you know, draw two people fucking. But uh, it, it's because, like I said, the, uh, all, all vaginas and penises are censored in, in Japanese pornography. Real ones. Real, yes, 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 real ones. So to get around this, there became a whole 
you know, they would they would draw people having sex. Interesting. And yeah, it, it's kind of so. That's that's. Uh, so are we saying that the basis of the manga cartoon is actually finds its roots in pornography, and that's why not, it's so popular? Not necessarily. I mean, the manga cartoon was uh, has, has been around for yeah, I'm only, know, I'm only ages, I'm only uh, almost hundred years probably, and. Uh, it was it was just a situation where I imagine some horny Japanese guys wanted to look at some vaginas and decided they could draw them better than you know yeah. figuring out how to depixelize all the porn. I think so, it's uh, probably because of money. I'm sure some guy was like, "Dude, draw me a girl fucking," and the dude was like, yeah, right. "I'm not drawing that." And he's like, "Well, I'll give you a, I'll give you five hundred dollars if you draw that for me." Oh, well, I'll draw that for you right now. You know, yeah, I mean, exactly right. <laughs> halfway to a driver's license, so. Um, <laughs> okay, so let's uh, let's talk a little bit about your um, your grandparents. Uh, you were saying okay. that they um, they were born in the United States, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what happened to a lot of um, uh, nationals, uh, both for Germany and Japan, as I understand it, and you tell me if this is what happened to them, was that uh, when the countries um, were um, going to war, preparing to go to war. Uh, they um, they told all the people that um, uh, who had ancestry of um, you know German ancestry or, or Japanese ancestry that they should come home to defend their um, their homeland basically right, right. and a lot of people um, answered that call and went back home to deal with it although I don't know how you would do that today I mean like you know if like if Germany said to me today you know you should come up and defend Germany I'd be like well how am I gonna live like how do I have a house yeah, right. you know how, do, how is my car gonna get get over there you know, <laughs> it's it's completely a different mentality but um uh, yeah. so that's what happened to your grandparents or, or why did they go back in uh, 1939 it's it's an interesting story my uh my grandfather was born in Hawaii uh, to Japanese parents from Japan, okay. and uh, they had built a business of a fish market, a really successful fish market. Okay. And um, in 1939, they actually sold it and retired and moved back to Japan because you know they okay. were they had come a lot of uh, in in Japan the the wealth of the family right. would be passed down through the firstborn son. Okay. Basically. So a lot of a lot of other a lot of the other children um, around the turn of the century, it was pretty popular to go to America to try to make your fortune. Right. So this is what my, my great grandparents had done. They, well, they had well, gone to uh, Hawaii to, to start this fish market that turned out to be pretty uh, pretty successful. I see. And with yeah. Okay. So it's your great it's your great grandparents that had the fish market, and then they right. they moved back to Japan. But your grandparents were born in Hawaii. Well, your dad, yeah, my your grandfather, my grandpa, yeah. yeah, my grandfather was born in Hawaii. Okay. Um, yeah. So in 1939, they sold the uh, the fish market and moved back to Japan to retire. Basically, right you now they had, they had gotten all their money in the the land of the free, and they were going to go home and and live comfortably. Cool. Sure, Which, you know, kind of bad timing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's the worst started. Yeah. About, you know, Who knew there was going to be a giant war going on? But okay. <laughs> yeah, right. So, um, so your grandfather was there living with them in Japan at that point. Right, right, yeah. He, he, um, he spent the entirety of the war in, uh, in Japan. Okay. And my, my, my grandmother was actually born in Sacramento, California, okay. where I was born. Right. And uh, 
what happened was there's a, a military base, an Air Force base in Sacramento called uh, McClellan Air Force Base. Okay. And um, I guess my okay. Let me let me go back a little bit. Sure. The Japanese. Um, I, I don't know if you have many listeners from California, but um, during during the 1920s, the Japanese were kind of like the the Mexican migrant workers of today. Right. No, they would they would they would come and they would work on farms and all that sort of thing. And there there was a lot of them in California. There was there was a really big influx of Japanese coming to uh, to California in the early twenties. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, my my grandmother was uh, children or was the daughter of two such mi- migrant workers. Okay. So in uh, in thirty nine or or around that time, um, my great grandfather was doing some work or something, and a guy came up to him and said, you know, I work at the base, McClellan Air Force Base, and I've been noticing that we've been loading bombs onto planes. And it's my, uh, it's my belief that we're going to take these bombs and, you know, we're going to start a war with Japan or something's going to happen with Japan. Okay. And if that happens, I'm going to come to your house, I'm going to kill you, and I'm going to kill all your family. So this kind of, you know, obviously freaked out my great-grandfather. Right. And uh, he sent, he then decided to send my grandmother, who was the second youngest daughter, um, and her sister, the youngest daughter, uh, they decided to send them back to Japan for safety. I see. Um, okay. Yeah, so that's how that's how my grandparents um, ended up in Japan for the war. Right. And a lot of my grandmother's uh, sisters and brothers, though, were uh, they stayed in America and ended up in the internment camps. You know, it's interesting. It's interesting that how it turned out because um, you know uh, you. Um, and we'll talk about this in a second, but, uh, you know, it, it, had they stayed in the United States, they would have been in the internment camps. And yeah. um, had they had the U.S. not dropped the nuclear bomb, they probably would have been in combat. Well, at least your grandfather would have been. Yeah, um, yeah so, so, totally. So it's interesting how it almost worked in their favor that they yeah. they went back. but. So you're um, so they, so they both um, they they go back, but you said you had relatives that went into the internment camps. Yeah, yeah. My uh, my great uncle, my my grandmother's older brother, um, was in the internment camps. He uh, he's actually his name is Howard um, Ikemoto. He's he's a, an artist. He does a lot of art um, about his time in the internment camps. Okay. Um, and he, he uh, every so often PBS does a. Uh, a special on the internment camps, right? And, uh, and for people who don't actually involved for, in that, for people who don't know the whole history of it and everything, very briefly, um, you know, when mm-hmm. war broke out with Japan, um, the United States basically created camps. I forget where they were at. They were out in the desert somewhere, weren't they? Yeah, the one that my uncle was at was called uh, Tule Lake, which I believe was in North Dakota. Yeah, they're okay, so, right? Yeah. Uh, Some place really remote, and they basically gathered yeah. up the Japanese. Um, nationals that were in the United States and uh, put them in these camps and uh, they, they weren't concentration camps but they basically took away all their f- their freedom as uh, citizens of the United States or um, immigrants to the United States and um, uh, did they ever tell you any stories about uh, living in the camps or anything? Yeah, I mean uh, my great uncle was about 8 or 9 when he was in the camps um, but so he doesn't really you know, know too much, and it, it was. Uh, yeah, it's not like they, they. It wasn't like you know they walked around and shot people in the head there or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, you know? it wasn't like you know the the, the, the concentration camps of the Nazis. Or anything, you know, <laughs> right. they, were, they were taken care of. You know, they weren't like killed. Right. You know, for sport or anything like that. Right. Um, 
but yeah, it, I think it was just kind of a bummer, basically. Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah, a lot of a lot of. Uh, how long was he in there? Did he say how long he was in there? Yeah, I think he went in. Um, I think it must have been like four years. I think. I think I think he was he was involved with the the pretty pretty standard internment camp uh, experience, I guess, as as far as they go. Interesting. Um, I don't think he had anything. Uh, any any like. Uh, let out early or went in late or anything like that. Could be but, good behavior. No. Yeah, yeah. No, he was he was just a little kid. You know, they they had schools there and all that. Um, it, yeah, it, I think it was just kind of a shitty experience for him. He doesn't really talk about it too much. Sure, sure. Um, I mean, that's just like people I know that were in Vietnam. I mean, it's, it's the yeah. funny thing is I can find people that I can find old guys that have been in World War Two, and I think it, it, you get to a certain age, and uh, the guys from World War Two are very modest. Um, mm-hmm. You know, everybody was in World War II, so you know you you, right. you, you, you 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 know in the early days you would talk to them and they they didn't really have too much to say about it because it was kind of like old hat. You didn't really go around talking to other people and being like, you know what, I did World War II because I'm sure another guy'd be like, well, I was in World War II too, buddy. So shove it, you yeah, know. Right. They didn't. Nobody wanted to hear it, and then they got to a certain age, and then you know, then they start telling their stories because the population cares and everything. And, and, uh, but with the Vietnam war, um, a lot of guys I've met from Vietnam really don't want to talk about what they saw in Vietnam. Now I've, I've met some guys who, who didn't mind telling me about it, but some other guys like just don't want to talk about it. So maybe it's the same sort of thing, you know, it's, yeah, I think, I don't think it was too, um, interesting at all either you know it's kind of right. like they they pick you up they take you and they put you in these shacks where you share you know a, a room basically basically with three other families and, oh i'm, uh, I'm and sure you live there for the duration of the war you know it's just I, kind of I, like, i'm know, sure fun. i could uh, i could pull an hour and a half conversation out of them about it believe me uh you know i just ask them dumb yeah. stuff like you're sitting in your house somebody comes picks you up what happened you know but anyway yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what i do um, okay, so your grandfather's in Japan, and mm-hmm. um, he uh, he's there in '39. They, they um, mm-hmm. they're they're basically um, haven't brought bombed Asia. Yeah, they haven't. Well, they haven't. Yeah, they're in war in in um, the China uh, um, war, but they're not really at war with the United States yet. Um, yeah, was he worried at all? I mean, did you ever talk to him about this? I mean, was he worried at all about being recruited into the military? It seemed almost like something you would have to do. Was it a wealth thing? Do you think that they managed to keep him out of the military because of the the family's? Yeah, uh, he was like I said, my grandpa was pretty well off at the beginning of the war when right. they when they all moved back. Um, but he was about see, I want to say he was like twelve when they moved back to Japan. So I, he was too young. For the for the army, he he did work okay. for uh, well, that helps. for he the military, well. right? You know, like he would uh, he said that he was in some some harbor somewhere, just like he would drive boats around and kind of like ferry stuff okay. from shore to ships and sure. shit like that, you know. But yeah, as far as being a soldier, yeah, he he was uh, he was too young. Yeah, the whole population was pretty much mobilized. I mean, I think women did yeah. work too. I don't know if your grandmother was involved in in um, the war effort, but uh, that's in Japan. I mean, basically everybody was. Working for the war effort, I don't think. Yeah, you could they told get me that uh, towards the end they were uh, they would get pulled out of school, and uh, each of them would get a bamboo spear, and then they would just like you know have a day practicing uh, stabbing American soldiers and shit like that. <laughs> awesome! You know. Wish my school yeah. was like that. That would have been cool. I don't I don't know what a spear would do against a B fifty two or I mean a B twenty nine, but yeah, apparently, <laughs> apparently nothing. 
uh, <laughs> when, when the bomb did drop. So, um, yeah, so for people who weren't, aren't clear, in 1939, uh, Japan was uh, pretty much invested in a long war at that point. I mean, it was going on before 1939 um, mm -hmm. with the Chinese. And um, and yeah, and then they they broke out. So so your so your um, your 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 grandfather must have had some mixed feelings about it, um, being that he was you know I mean he's a kid, but you know he um, spent time in the United States and everything. I can't imagine he grew up with the with the idea in his head that the United States was some um, evil enemy. You know that yeah. was gonna. You know, he he was like uh, like I said, he lived he lived in Hawaii for for a good portion of his life up until that point, and right. uh, like he had been a Boy Scout with the uh, in Hawaii and things like that. So yeah, I don't think he uh, <laughs> Boy Scout. Yeah. I think it was kind of weird, you know, for him going back and then uh, fighting this, you know, the people that he'd been living with for right. up until that point with his life. You know, like, yeah, kind of weird. be weird to see like a childhood friend show up, you know, and uh, you got a bamboo yeah. spear and they got a gun. Hey, Greg, <laughs> what's going on? Hey. And then bam! Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, gotta take that away from you. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous. Uh, war could be messed up. Uh, uh, my my uh, my mother's father actually was uh was shot by a Japanese soldier in World War Two. Oh really? Wow. Yeah, he was he was uh, he was in the army and fought. Um, it's somewhere in the Pacific. I think it was. Uh, it wasn't Guadalcanal or anything like that with the Marines. He was definitely in the army, but yeah, he was a, a mortar man and took a took a Japanese bullet in the shoulder or the elbow. Wow. And uh, yeah, I don't know how my mom explained. You know, my dad coming home with her, but uh, might have been awkward. Yeah. So your dad. So your grandfather. The war ends in '45, um, mm -hmm. and they come back to the United States. I imagine coming back to the United States, they probably dealt with a little bit of animosity. Uh, you know, to say yeah. to say the least. Yeah. I mean, um, did anybody ever talk about any of that? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, here's the thing. My my grandparents were actually working for the U.S. Uh, Army after the war because they both spoke English. Ah, sure. Okay. And that yeah, and that's how they met uh, each other. Um, but yeah, when they came back, you know, it was, uh, my dad tells me a lot of stories where everybody thinks he, when he was a kid in, uh, in elementary school, everybody thought he knew karate and things like that, you know, and like he would be, he would go to school, everybody would have a, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and he would have, you know, a rice ball and things like that. And, uh, so yeah, there was, there was definitely some animosity. Uh, there were stories that my dad would tell me about my uncle growing up, you know, he would have a friend one day and then the next day, you know. The, the dad would be, I don't want you hanging out with no Japs or something like that, you know, and uh, and then they wouldn't be friends anymore, you know what I mean? So, yeah, there, right. there was definitely a lot of uh, anti-Japanese animosity in the States when they decided to move back. Yeah, my mom, um, even though, you know, it was years later, obviously, she um, was uh, um, living in Canada at the time. Um, mm -hmm. And this is after, you know, this is f much later than World War II. This was, like, probably late 50s, early 60s. And um, uh, she, from what I understand, she was trying to sell Avon in Jewish communities and oh, um, just wasn't going very well for her, being <laughs> yeah. that she's, you know, German. Why. Yeah, the, the thick German accent. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That, you know, that, I think it just existed, you know. It was just kind of messed people up. Um, yeah. Brian's, uh, Brian's um, girlfriend is, um, uh, she's uh, German um, in her name. And and, mm -hmm. uh, and she looks at, she's like freaking almost six feet tall. And, okay. um, 
she works at uh, a hospital um, with with old people, and sometimes there's um, old people there that don't like her because um, she she's you know they remember things, and she looks like uh, you know I don't know something out of a, a World War II film. And her name's uh, not like Hitler, is it? Her name? No, no. It's just a German. It's just a German name, and they just don't trust. They just don't, right, they right, don't, right. you know, they, they grew up in a situation where they just, I mean, would you, I mean, I, you know, yeah. you you never know what somebody's parents taught them later and let, you know, yeah, if, right, if you yeah. get the chance, you know, <laughs> just, you know, kill one of them, you'll feel better, about, you know, it's, you never, you know, that's what people think, you know, so, so you said you had relatives in the 442nd, can you explain what that is? Yeah, yeah, the 442 was, uh, it was an all Japanese combat unit um, that was, Dra- or not drafted, it was all volunteer um, from the internment camps. So the, for whatever reason, the, the government thought, you know, we got all these guys pent up together, maybe they want to go fight for us. And uh, they, they went there and started signing people up for the military. And a lot of, a lot of Japanese Americans um, jumped at the opportunity, you know. They, they felt that they were being wrongfully interned, that they hadn't done anything wrong. They felt that they were American citizens. And, uh, you know, they, they wanted to go fight for their country, and, and they did. You know, the, the 442nd was, uh, like I said, it was all Japanese. It, it, they fought in Europe primarily because they didn't want to send, you know, a bunch of Japanese people over to fight the Japanese in uh, the Pacific for obvious reasons. Um, they didn't really trust them. And sure. on top of that, you know, you don't want to watch a bunch of... American bit. soldiers walking around who look Japanese and yeah. like you know have guns. And shit right, a like little, little bit confusion on the battlefield yeah, right yeah, there. You know, exactly, you know. So, so they fought in uh, in Italy, and there's there's actually a pretty um, famous story where the uh, the 442nd was sent to um, rescue this lost battalion of uh, I think it was a Texan battalion somehow, or that was it was, it was a, an armored division that had been caught in the hills um, and cut off behind enemy lines and they sent in the 442nd and uh 442nd sustained you know incredibly high casualties really? um, i think it was it's, it's one of the the 442nd is one of the most decorated units uh of the second world war i believe um just just really these guys kind of had like a really fucked up situation where they couldn't go back to their homes you know like they, they had been kind of wronged by the u.s and yet they were still fighting for the u.s and a lot of the times um the 442nd was kind of used as a, uh, 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 what's it, the, the tip of the spear. You know, they would, they would be the first ones to go in and kind of, and kind of fight like that. So, so they, uh, they did uh, sustain a lot of casualties, and uh, they were used kind of, um, I, I, I don't want to say haphazardly, but it, they didn't really, it, it, it's kind of obvious that because they were Japanese, they were kind of, sent to the harder missions, you know, they, they did take a lot of the, the more difficult uh, fighting. Sure. Yeah, I, could, I, yeah. I, I believe at first the, the Japanese weren't, they weren't draftable because of the whole thing. Yeah. They, they couldn't be drafted. Yeah, exactly. So it must have been one of those things where um, the president was probably, like, getting, like, orders or something. People were like, well, we're running out of people to go fight. And he was like, well, <laughs> yeah. well, what about all these people over here? Oh, well, those are the Japanese. You can't... They don't... You know, yeah, fuck that. We'll send them after the Italians. <laughs> you know? It's like one of those conversations. This is yeah, right? crazy. Yeah, I went down. So that's interesting. So that's got to be kind of... Yeah. Boy, if you were the wife of one of those guys, though, you probably yeah. would be really... Um, 
you'd really yes. bummed out. You're in you're in the freaking internment camp, and then your your husband or whatever is like, you know, what, I'm just I'm gonna go to the, I'm gonna go fight. Yeah. <laughs> so so, so you, your freedom's gone, and you got to worry about that guy getting killed, you know, over yeah. in a battle and stuff. Yeah. And you're just like, Ugh. people who put us here, not so bad. I'm gonna go fight for them. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, are we having a great time? This is a great time, you know. Yeah. This is great. We don't have to work. Uh, there's free food. You got to, you know, this is. I'm yeah. Let's go support this. Um, awesome. That's craziness. So, um, all right. Well, I have another, uh, sure, uncle was in uh was called MIS which was actually a military intelligence service right mm -hmm. that was uh they were the the Japanese who would be translators and uh they would they would translate documents and things like that that had been captured from the Japanese and they were actually stationed um in the Pacific uh as as US soldiers but um uh my my this, the story goes that they would have to have uh, guards all the time because mm -hmm. you know like like I said, the, the American soldiers might, you know, just cap them on accident or something right, like that. Right, right. Real nice. But, so, you know, um, did, go ahead. Did you want me to talk about at all, uh, like, why the rest of Asia hates Japan? Yeah, sure. Like, did you want, sure. You want me to touch on that? Yeah, yeah, let's talk about it. Sure. Okay, yeah. So, um, like, like, you know, in the, what was it, I guess the 30s or something, Japan started just, like, basically invading all of its neighbors. Like, they conquered Korea. Right. And, uh, like, went into China. And things like that, right. and uh, that that sort of um, they they like enslaved a bunch of the Koreans. Yeah, I like, think I think the thing that people have to understand is the mindset that the Japanese had at the time, which was that they yeah. were in essence superior to exactly. To, yeah, they they thought that they were like the shit. You know, they they, right. they felt that they were this tiny little island nation that had basically conquered. A bunch of other, you know, of its neighbors, and they were feeling a lot of uh, a and, lot of zeal, right? And they and still like that. they they were following a sort of shogunesque. Um, that's a new word I made up. Uh, <laughs> way of following the emperor, and right. it's still, uh, I, I it, it's not really the same, but it's you know closely related to the old shogun and and the way they um, they had systems of honor and things like that. And I think that yeah. the Japanese basically didn't see any of the, especially the Chinese and, and, mm -hmm. the, and the Koreans as being um, very uh, honorable. And yeah. so they just saw them as um, uh, something to be used in any way possible. And it's like you said, they, they, um, they enslaved the Koreans and yeah. uh, they um, were at uh, war with the Chinese, which, you know, probably could have defeated the Chinese had they mm -hmm. not had the Chinese not gotten assistance from the United States and right. um, the Soviet Union at the time, and um, the uh, the later entering the war against the United States. I mean, had they never gotten in the war in the United States, uh, you know, they yeah. they could have only Asia would all be Japanese. Right. Yeah, I mean, like, seriously, it, it 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 may have come to pass. But uh, again, I I don't Philippines, think Philippines, you know, all that. Right. Well, yeah, I I think that the United States would have gotten involved no matter what. But, um, mm -hmm. yeah, it, it's, it's interesting to think about about how that would take place. The interesting thing, though, is it's like, look, in the United States, if I run into a Japanese guy, the only thing I'm thinking about is, like, Pokemon and shit, you know? I'm not, <laughs> not, not really looking at the guy and thinking, um, you know, bad stuff. And I don't think, like, yeah. throughout my entire... Um, my life growing up, I've never um, been taught, you know, in any sort of way that the Japanese were um, uh, inferior. And mm -hmm. um, the, uh, 
I grew, you know, like I said, I'm 38, and we we played war when we were kids, and um, there were some cartoons that were out from Warner Brothers and things that made fun of the Japanese army and things like that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, the only thing that ever comes out of Asian stereotyping is, is, uh, in, in, is Kung Fu, which is Chinese, mm. you know. Yeah. But if you mention Japanese to somebody, you know, they'll, they'll start doing Sushi. stupid... Yeah, they'll start doing stupid freaking Kung Fu crap. And uh, that was about it. And and yet, um, it seems odd that you know all these years later that other countries who have generations of people that don't even really know that what happened to the Japanese mm-hmm. um, still hold this really heavy animosity towards them. A lot of it comes from like the Japanese. You know, it, it's the Japanese is really a warrior culture. I mean, it really is. It, it, um, they had a, a class of warriors. Um, the samurai, and they could basically do whatever the fuck they wanted. Um, like, you know, they were they were basically above the law, right? And because of that, for and this went on for hundreds of years. You know, like the Japanese closed themselves off to the rest of the world mm-hmm. for about I think it was like six hundred years, right? And it wasn't until uh, eighteen fifty three when Admiral Perry went to uh, to to Tokyo Harbor and kind of you know basically parked a warship there and said, open up or we'll fuck you up, Right. that uh, the Japanese opened up. And when they did, you know, they, they saw all this, you know, military technology, you know, like ships and guns and things like that. And they just started militarizing rapidly, you know, because right. right. they still had this, this mindset of, uh, of, you know, Bushido in, in the warrior culture. And, um, right. And well, I mean, they, they did, they did have some outside influence. I mean, the Spanish traded yeah. with them, things like oh, that. Totally, totally, totally. You know, right. I mean, they, they, but when they when they opened up, they were just like, oh my god, you know. They never really they never really ventured out. Like people had to right, go to right. them type of thing, and yeah, and then they d- decided, yeah, we could kick everybody else's ass, which uh, they, yeah. you know, they they almost did. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they defeated the the Russians, which you know is right. crazy when you think about it. Like a tiny little country like Japan taking on Russia and basically defeating them, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, really had a real thick warrior mentality there. That exactly. Uh, exactly. Had, was, um, what's that? I, I was just going to say, had the emperor not been a superior icon to the war department, um, mm-hmm. to the people, uh, it probably would have ended really badly. You know, because exactly. I don't think yeah. they would have ever surrendered or given up or anything. You know. Oh, they wouldn't have. You know, like it, it was. It was going to be a situation where they would have fought to the last man. Right. You know, like, it, and, and uh, you know, like I said, my, my grandparents were fucking training, you know, 13 and like 16 year old kids just like running around with bamboos being taught to when the Americans invade, you got to just run at them and stab them. Right. You know? right. It's like, you know, and what, what the hell would that do? You know, like have a, a thousand, you know, high school kids running at you with, a, with spears. You know? It, it would have just been brutal. Right. It is a really interesting, it is a really interesting piece of history that a lot of people don't really understand because I, I think a lot of people think um, historically that the United States dropped a couple of nukes and mm-hmm. uh, the Japanese were like, oh, hey, we give up. And really, yeah, yeah. The, the War Department, the military, was, uh, was not going to give up. And it was, there was actually a skirmish, I think there was like... Um, uh, somebody intended to seize control or seize power from the emperor, um, and and uh, some people got shot um, before the emperor was able to um, uh, actually um, uh, agree to the um, uh, the ceasefire, which led to the surrender. And um, uh, it, it's just very interesting because you know 
there was this weird there was this weird sort of Jap- Japan believed at the time that the emperor was god as well as oh, yeah. um you know their their leader and uh you know he yet they they were very detached from him usually the emperor he spoke in some kind but of no one had ever seen him right, you know what i mean right and he and there he, were no when, pictures if, of him if they heard him on the radio he spoke in some very strange kind of um almost like a different language in essence yeah, because it was very one ancient of, huh? right and and um they didn't really know they had to get things translated to them, but he was able to basically call an end to the war, um, mm-hmm. where uh, nobody else would have been able to do it. And in you know, and but part of our agreement with them, with the Japanese, was to enable him to stay in power. I, I, what do you right. think? What do you think of the um, the royal, the Japanese royal family today? It seems almost. Um, I don't know. I like to say the word pointless. Um, yeah, they're basically a figurehead. You know, when I was over there, uh, the it, it was a big deal because the first um, male heir had been born in something like thirty years. Right. I remember hearing like about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it was like it was big news, and everybody was you know freaking out and going ape shit and shit like that. But um, yeah, it's it's I you know. Does anybody over there still to... think of them as um, gods? No, I don't think so. No. no, it's not. It's not like that. Anymore. Well, what's the what's the religion over there? Basically, is it um is it Buddhism? Well, Shinto. Shinto. A lot of Shintoism. Okay. Okay. It's a Which lot. Is, of... uh, it's based on nature, like. Uh, so it all be, that... Is that like the Buddha and sticking the incense in the thing type of thing? Like I was playing in like Shenmue or. Um... Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of Buddhism too. Okay. Um, yeah, basically mostly Buddhism and Shintoism. Actually, there's a. In, in the bigger cities, you know, you get, like, kind of crazy Buddhist temples. You got, like, um, what's called the Daibutsu, which is, like, this huge fucking golden Buddha. It's, like, I think three stories tall or something like that. Really? But, yeah, it's, I mean, there, there is a lot of Buddhism. Um, but, yeah, also also a lot of Shintoism. Okay. Which, yeah. That's cool. Which is based on nature. Yeah, all right. Yeah, because, um, yeah, it was... Uh... But at one time there was none of that, and it was just all mm-hmm. the, the emperor, and that was it. Yeah, yeah, you know. exactly, right. Just got to be weird yeah. one day that they lose the war, and then they're just like, "Well, listen, I'm not. I know you've been thinking <laughs> yeah. I'm God, but you know, I'm I'm actually not." And um, Christ sounds cool. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you guys will have to figure something else out about that whole afterlife thing because it's not. Me. <laughs> I, right. I know. Um, I'm just a guy, and I ride a horse around a lot. Um, yeah. yeah, but uh, no, that's that's interesting. So, um, uh, you know. Uh, the, the kind of a um, the interesting thing, and I I think we'll kind of we'll wind down here, but um, uh, on the whole war type of thing, um, you know, after World War II, Japan sort of got a has a pacifist constitution in essence. Right, they have right. a they have a military defense force, and mm-hmm. um, I think they they the only time they've used it in, in any kind of a close to a combat role now has been. Um, did they? It was Iraq. Did they go to Iraq with that force? I, I you know, I, they were going to or something, and then they didn't. Yeah, I think there was a lot of pushback about that. But I think that um, the, the the you know the desire to um, get the United States out of Okinawa and um, yeah. uh, the the dangers of you know they're surrounded by some pretty hostile. Um, you know the North Koreans are there. The Chinese are just over the border. Russia's right yeah. there. Do you do you think that the um, that they'll ever come a time where they'll um, they'll no longer rely on the United States and build up an army and a military again? 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I think that uh, if anything was to happen in Asia, Japan would definitely get its ass kicked hard. Right. Right now, like like if North Korea was to to you know lose their mind and just start attacking everybody, right. I'm sure that like because like I said, everybody basically in Asia hates Japan. Right. And if there's going to be a conflict, they'll they'll probably bum the fuck out of Japan. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I I, I kind of doubt that they would ever build up a military uh, a big military again. Right. Um, it's it you know it's just not I I don't I mean I didn't even meet. When I was there, I met, I think, one person who said that he wanted to join the military. It's just not really, it's not really done. You it's know just I mean? different it's not, now, it's not right? It's not that big of a thing. It's just a totally different environment over there. It's like a bunch of hippies yeah. walking around or something. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking, you know, you know J- Japan goes, and they, you know, they bomb the United States, they invade China and all this stuff. You think, why do you want to be in these countries? Why don't they ever just go and take over, like, the Caribbean? You know, wouldn't, yeah, you, want, right. wouldn't you want just that? Chill out. You know? Yeah. That's the, that's the cool place, you know? Just, yeah, there, there are better places to invade than, like, Iraq or well, like China, you know? Yeah. Like, you could go to fucking, yeah, the Caribbean. Right. Right. Have the a United tie on the beach, you know? The chill United out. States took Hawaii. At least that was kind of smart, you know? Like, hey, yeah. we got this tropical place, you know? That's, I don't understand. Like, why would you want the Philippines for crying out loud, you know? Seriously. It's ridiculous. But, um... All right. Uh, I don't know if you had anything else. Otherwise, I guess we're getting close to the ninety-minute mark, so I figured we could wind it down. But um, I didn't yeah, want to. You mind if I tell a couple more stories? Absolutely. Like, uh, no, that's great. Yeah, let's um, let's get them in there. Yeah, I mean, okay. So I just I kind of wanted to talk, like, uh, touch on a little bit more why like Asia hates Japan. Sure. And uh, it's just like the Japanese are are really kind of ancient culture. Like, just just really, you know, it's. It's, it's kind of a weird thing to think about um, being an American, where our, our history only goes back a couple hundred years. But it's, it's like, it's, it's really a, a very ancient culture, and, and it still kind of resonates today with the people, um, which is really cool, because you get, you get people kind of still wearing kimonos and things like that. Right, you know, right. We don't, in America, have anything like that. What are we going to wear, like, colonial wear and things like that? You know? <laughs> The Amish. We got the Amish, man. Yeah, okay, yeah, we got the Amish. (laughs) It's it's just, and and it it really, the the entire culture was really connected to the warrior, you know, and it was like, it was a situation where, and and honor on top of that, you know, like it was, if if to be captured was considered, you know, the ultimate dishonor, you know, it was like, if you were a good warrior, you wouldn't be captured, you know, so by being captured, it proves that you are a failure as a warrior, you know? Right. And like, uh, uh, so so the the Japanese would fight, you know, fucking to the to the end. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, they just would surrender, and um, and then they would they would also kill themselves on top of that. Like yeah. it, it's, it's a situation where the family name means more than your life. Right. You know, by by being captured and 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 doing that, you dishonor. You know, thousands or not thousands, but hundreds of years of your family's existence, you know, by, by doing that, you let down all of your relatives in the past. You know what I mean? Right. So it's, it's, it's a very bleak kind of outlook that these soldiers had, you know, it was, it was, it was either win or die, you know, and and they didn't win. So. Do you think, um, on the same lines of that, I hear that the, the suicide rate in Japan is very high. Do you have any opinions as to why that is? I mean, is it related to that? Like, it's 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 it kind of is in the same sense of that um, Japanese people are probably the most intense people you'll ever meet. 
Like they just they they can't relax at all, you know. Hmm. Okay. Like they just you know they they will they 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 study like crazy. They you know they they just stress out. You know, like the, the Japanese have um, have situations today where they uh, they develop um, anxiety disorders because they believe that they smell bad. You know, like people people will be have these crippling anxiety disorders because for whatever reason they think that. They they offend all the people around them because of their smell, you know. Right. So it's just it's it's um, in in a situation like that, you know, where you can't, where perfection is kind of uh, is, is is important, um, and you can't achieve that. the The only option is to kill yourself. That's you interesting. Know? Yeah, it's sad, but that's interesting. Yeah, it, it, it's it's yeah, it's kind of it's kind of messed up. Like you you know, I was running into. Uh, I, I didn't. I didn't deal with anything like that while I was there. But I did. You know, I would be like, "Hey, you know, this game's coming out. Let's play." And my friend would be like, "No, I got to study for for the test." And I'd be like, "Those are in a month." You know what I mean? Right. But so would, so, yeah, it's just. So why it, um, like why huh? why are uh, Japanese such bad drivers? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's a joke. They they actually are, man. Let me tell you, <laughs> they are the worst drivers in the world. Like my host mother, man, she could not drive at all. It was like she'd rev the fuck out of her engine and just like slam it into. She would she would be redlining in third gear, right, and then slam it into second. <laughs> no, just doesn't understand it. But yeah. yeah, no, I'm just kidding. That's yeah, fine. So what else you got? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, my my grandpa would tell me stories about how like the firebomb, the firebombing raids. Right, right. Was he over yeah, in? Where, I mean, where was he living when the war he, was going? He lived on? in uh, actually. His family's from Hiroshima. Oh, nice. Yeah, I know, right? My my actually uh, one of I think it was my grandmother. No, my grandfather's two two of my grandfather's sisters um, experienced the blast. Wow. Uh, one of them was killed. Holy. Uh, yeah, and this was in um, not in not in Hiroshima. This was in uh, Nagasaki, though. Yeah, uh, the one who was who passed away, and the other one, um, there was a uh, a storefront, like a uh, one of those metal things that rolls down, you know, and covers the storefront. Right. And that had been lowered, like uh, maybe a foot off the ground. Okay. And when the bomb went off, it the the, the shock and the blast actually burned her legs, like her shins. Right. Because she was standing on the other side, and the all the, the heat just went through and burned her shins. And uh, she said, or the story is that the entire city was on fire. Right, you know, sure. It was just fucked up. And uh, some soldiers came along and picked her up, and they put her in a river. And somehow the flowing water, like, cleansed the radiation out of her body. Wow. And they, you know, they left her in that river for I think three days or something like that, and uh, just because she was injured, you know what I mean? Right. And right. They, they, the the soldiers had to deal with you know the other people, so they they put her in the river, and that's actually what saved her life by by cleansing all the radiation out of the body. Wow. And uh, yeah, it's a pretty pretty crazy story like that. When I was in uh, when I was in Japan, we uh, we went to the old family house, and uh, I found this like scroll. That had uh, been sent from the the Japanese government honoring, I guess uh, I guess everybody who had been killed in the uh, the atomic blast was considered like a hero of the Japanese nation. Sure. Okay. And uh, yeah, so I, I got that scroll. It's pretty cool. Well, that's cool. I mean, could you yeah. imagine being a person that was one of the people that would like live through um, 
the only time in history when nuclear weapons were used on people. Yeah, right. You it's, know, it's pretty crazy. I mean, that's just got to be a you, you've experienced something that hopefully nobody else will ever experience yeah. in their life. And it's, like, one of the most horrifying freaking things that you could have happen. Plus, I mean, it's not like you knew it was, I mean, you know, it, it was totally surprised, you know? They yeah. they were just, like, walking around, like, do do do. I think I'm going to have some soup. And then, boom. boom. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's got to be a, just an amazing thing to hear about from somebody that's been yeah. through that. Is she I, still I, is she uh, still alive, really, or has she passed away? No, she, she, she passed away. Yeah. Um, but... Like I said, she she told the story to like my uh, other family members who who related it to me, and I was I was pretty you know pretty shocked yeah, about that. That's amazing. Uh, when I when I was in uh, Hiroshima, actually, my grandpa uh, who came to visit me with my parents, um, he was he was kind of freaking out because I guess when uh, when when the war ended and the U.S. was was uh, there, there was no commerce. You know what I mean? Right. So so the black market exploded basically there was there was a huge black market in japan after the war because everything um that was the only way you could you could buy things was on the black market and uh when i was walking around in hiroshima with my grandpa he was he was freaking out because he used to be uh basically the snitch for uh for the government and would you know he'd go into to places and be like you know do you have any rice for sale and they'd say oh yeah you know of course you got rice for sale. okay give me your name you know, arrest them and shit like that. So, uh, so he was he was he was walking around freaking out. I was like, no, you know, it was sixty years ago, man. Then don't worry about it. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, I sometimes like if I was over there, I'd be worried. Like I'd be like, hey, look at this green glass that's on the ground. People are like, don't touch that. That's radioactive or something. You know, yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> it's all old or something. Like nobody kicks rocks here. You don't know what's underneath them and stuff. You're like, oh, yes, landmines, <laughs> man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that no one walks in that field. Don't go that. You know. Oh, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I had no idea. There's old bombs in there and shit. You know. Yeah. Uh, um. So. Wow. So that's crazy. So you got to walk around. Was there a memorial or anything that you see there, or is it just? Yeah, big, yeah. Big I went to. Uh, uh, when I, when I was in Hiroshima, they have uh, the, the town is basically completely rebuilt. Sure, of course. Um, it's it's a major metropolitan city right now. Right. And uh, but they they left what's called the the peace dome. Which is, uh, it was an office building that the bomb exploded pretty much right on top of. Oh, okay. And while everything else in the city was leveled, this one building, um, not you know, of course it was it was messed up, but it was uh, it was still standing. Oh, okay. So they they left that there, and it, it's the uh, the atomic memorial, which it was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, a lot of a big thing in Japan is to uh, it, it's Hiroshima is actually kind of a tourist desti- destination now. Sure. Which is odd. You know, and uh, a lot of yeah. every in the, in the Japanese culture, the uh, students in their second year of, of high school take a, uh, a school trip. I don't know if you watched the uh, the movie Battle Royale. Uh, you know, I yeah, mm-hmm. I've seen it. Yeah, when they're when they're when they're on the bus, they're going on their school trip. Oh, so it's okay. kind of that sort of situation where all the kids get together and they go someplace and it's fun. Right. Um, not for them, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, so weird the, movie. Man. It's a big thing to to make. A thousand paper cranes. The, have you ever heard that story, Sadako and the thousand paper cranes? Okay, no, I don't know that. No, you got me on Battle uh, Royale, but I forget that I don't know the paper cranes. <laughs> yeah, it's a, <laughs> the, uh, the the thing is, it's um, a Japanese myth where if you make a thousand paper cranes, you can be granted one wish, basically. Oh. So it's a, a big thing. You'll when you go to Hiroshima, you'll see a lot of a lot of high school students uh, at the memorials planting these thousand paper crane. Um, 
uh, sets that they they would make with their class. Oh, okay, um, sure. And and then present it to the uh, the memorial. So so that was kind of cool, you know. That's interesting. Yeah, I wonder if yeah. they take class trips in Germany to Auschwitz. No, um, yeah, right. No, <laughs> you know, it's just. See, it seems like a weird place to go, you know. Yeah, well, maybe it's important, you know. I mean, why not? Uh, they're going to learn about it eventually. As long as they're not elementary. If they're elementary school kids, it'd be a little weird. Yeah. This is where everybody it's burned to death. Really you know, too much about uh, World War II in Japan. Right. It's, it's kind of odd. They only they, they only spend about a day on it. Really? Um, hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's not really it's not really something they're too proud of. Yeah. You know? um, sure. So yeah, it kind of stays out of um, out of the history books um, for the most part, which is also why a lot of um, Asian, other Asian countries uh, are mad at the Japanese. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I would think that there would be, you know, even if you're you're down on it, you, you, you still had this, there's a lot to be proud of in a sense. I mean, you don't want to be mm-hmm. proud of the whole, the, the war. You know what I mean? Right. But you, you have this nation that had, you know, existed on some islands and managed to become a, um, a superpower, essentially. Yeah, a world, a world, a world power. power. And um, be very influential uh, uh, through the world, and um, there's a lot of lessons to be told there. Not just you know about how you know when you when you do things like that, how it can corrupt and things like that. They probably should <laughs> they should teach it better. But to be honest, yeah. man, when I know all this crap about World War II, when I was in high school, I didn't care about shit. I didn't want to hear yeah, about any of it. I, I don't know. know. Seriously, they only want you to do is memorize dates. You know, yeah. like I was never going to be able to remember any of that crap. What was the Constitution side? I don't know, man. <laughs> You know, what does this matter? I, am I going to get a job? Is that going to be on the quiz? You know, I mean, yeah. no, it's stupid. You, you learn it all later. If I, with the internet, history is so redundant anyway. You really needed mm-hmm. to know something. You just look it up. You know, it's yeah. not like you need to, you know, study it so you know or something. I don't know. I mean, but anyway. what, what's what's interesting is uh, the Japanese have a uh, a war memorial which is called a uh, Yasukuni Shrine, oh, okay. and uh, whenever there's a new a, a new prime minister, you know, it, it's common for them to go and pay uh, tribute to the war dead. But the uh, when you know after the war, when when the um, there was some some trials for Japanese war criminals, uh, the ones who were executed are still at Yasukuni Shrine. Their remains are, and um, when when the um, when the uh, not emperor, the prime minister goes and does his, you know annual or semi-annual or whatever visit to the shrine man there's always like drama in asia and everybody freaks out because you know the, i think i've heard Koreans, a little like fucking are pissed yeah i think i've heard a little bit about that right yeah, yeah. They, they go to any kind of like um uh, uh celebration of of anything yeah, any, is, any way that they uh they you know um honor the dead of, of the war they just kind of like freak the fuck out. Yeah, there's like you've offended the Chinese and then the, yeah, the prime yeah, minister yeah. has to go over and apologize and everything. I did kind of ridiculous. Yeah, um, it, I don't I, I didn't get any. I it was 60 years ago, man. I mean, that's how I think about it too. It's not yeah. like we're all still angry about like, you know, um, the Egyptians taking over the Mediterranean yeah. or something, you know. It's like, "Oh, you're Egyptian?" Oh, mm, you know. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> I know I didn't like what you did to Rome. You know, I mean, it's stupid, <laughs> yeah. freaking dumb. I, I mean, you know, I, I know there's people. I guess what it is, these people are still alive. You know, people that mm-hmm. were there. See, so, you know, there's still people that can get offended by it. But um, yeah, it, 
It's interesting to think that, like, what is it? I think 200 World War II vets die every day or something like that. Yeah, I mean, pretty soon they're all going to be gone. Yeah, it's thin and out. I mean, my, um, I went to the birthday party of a friend um, that uh, he's, um, he's 80, or no, he just turned 90, and um, he, was, he was in the Signal Corps uh, in Italy, you know, came over um, uh, into Italy during World War II, and he's 90 years old, so... Um, wow. You know, it's you're yeah, it's winding down, man. It's it's getting near the end. I remember when I was really really young. I remember hearing about some woman who was um, uh, still alive from uh, the time of the. Um, I, I, I may get this wrong, and I don't want anybody to be pissed, but um, or it's the Civil War, um, right? Because it was like the Civil War was like eighteen something. So I don't know. There's my dates for you. <laughs> and um, she was, like, really old, like, super, like yeah. hundred and some crazy years old or something. And they were like, she was there during the Civil War and stuff, you know. And today that's undead beyond that's just completely unbelievable. You know, that ain't going to happen. Right. It, it, today, now, if you get somebody that's, like, still alive from the World War One, they're, like, amazed by it, you know. There's like, Yeah, didn't the last uh, World War One veteran just die, like, two years ago or something like that? I think there's one guy left. There's one. Really? There's one guy still alive. The other guy died, and there's one guy still alive. And but then there's all the people that you know were just children when it mm-hmm. was still mm-hmm. happening. They're still alive. So um, yeah, some of that legacy is still here. I I think it's really great though that what like today, <clears throat> basically with cable channels like the History Channel, but they've they've mm-hmm. been able to document so much of World War Two. That are probably there's basically no rock uncovered. Well, right. uh, basically, uh, at least on the, at least as far as the, um, the United States is concerned, and most of the European powers, I would say that we don't really know the whole story about Russia and yeah. um, and Germany because um, who the fuck knows? I mean, you know, they're both gone. Both countries are gone at this point. The Soviet Union's gone, and you know, Nazi Germany's gone. So I don't know how much we'll get about that. And same with Japan and China. Mm-hmm. We're never going to hear every freaking war. But I, I still think that we live in an interesting time where there's so much information. I mean, Wikipedia is just a wealth of information. Oh, my God, yeah, man. We would never have, you know, the, the World War II would have been like four battles in an old encyclopedia, you know. Yeah. And uh, today it's, it's pretty crazy. Anyway, um, you got anything else? Um, let me see. No, I think that's about it. I wrote some stuff down, but I think we covered everything. Hope I wasn't too boring for you. No, I think this has been really great. I actually learned some things. I have to read more about the 442nd because I didn't actually know about that. Yeah, yeah, they're it was a pretty cool, pretty cool group of guys. You know, they there's there's not too much information on them. But yeah, what 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 you find out is pretty interesting. Yeah, that they what they did. Yeah, I'll I'll look through it. I um, yeah, I you know Wikipedia. I'm sure there's something about them on there, but I'll um, oh yeah, I'll, I'll read about it. I, I I'm a buff about all this stuff. So if they you know, then the History Channel. Yeah, how, I, I have a special. I've been meaning to ask you. You know, with uh, I've gotten kind of bored of the History Channel, honestly. Like they seem to, like I don't know. Do you, do you ever find yourself in that sort of position? Bored with mm-hmm. it? Well, they cover the same ten freaking yeah, things. Yeah, exactly. All the time. You know, they they like I I. I cannot watch another fucking show on the Battle of the Bulge, man. No, like, you gotta. I, I I spend a lot of time more on like. I, do you have Netflix? I, um, yeah, I do. Yeah, I look for things that are more. Um, I, I I decided that you can only get so much on the American viewpoint, 
and mm-hmm. um, for good reason. I mean, you know, the, but the, the, there's a lot of things about the viewpoints. I, I got very infatuated at, at one point about how um, the German people um, followed the madness that was Adolf Hitler. You know, I just never mm-hmm. made any freaking sense to me. And it did later on after I, um, ado- you know, watched a lot of things and read a lot of things about it. And there's some actually some really good movies because a lot of guys had um, wind-up cameras uh, in really? World War II. Um, not so much the Russians because they just didn't have it, but the, ja- uh, the Germans had it and the Americans had them and the Italians had them. And um, they were just cameras. They took, a, they took like a cartridge of film and you just wound it up. And it didn't have sound. But they could just hold the button down. It would—it was like something you would have as a kid almost, and you—you you would just hold the button down, and it would film. And they had—they right. col- had color film and regular film. And um, I know Ken Burns did a thing where they—you know—they took a lot of that kind of footage. But you never actually see the footage that exists um, on the other side uh, of the war. And right. and a lot of guys actually were over there and had filmed themselves going through. Um, basic training and and going over in, 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 into the war and stuff like that. And, I, and so I, I I don't know. I got a I got different angles from a lot of that. And then mm-hmm. from that, I got more into the Russian side of the conflict because the Russian side was so huge, and you never really yeah. hear about it. You know, I mean, it was like most the most of the time you ever heard about it was like, well, and then they met the Russians on the border and they shook hands and had drinks together and stuff and. And then they all said, yeah. ah, we're going to go kick Hitler's ass. You know, and you never really think about the fact that, like, you know, Berlin fell not because of the United States. The United States didn't invade Berlin. You know, the English yeah. didn't invade Berlin. It was the Russians that invaded Berlin. You know, and, and you wonder, like, geez, I mean, how did that happen? And, you know, the Russians, mm-hmm. um, you know, attacked Japan at the end of the war. And Yeah, I, I, I didn't know anything about that until a couple of years ago. That, that was... Right, and and they still dispute some of the that the ownership of some of those island, the northern islands, you know. Yeah, um, it's weird. When I was in Japan, actually, um, the northern island is is really really close to Russia. Right. And the only other white people I would see would be like Russian prostitutes uh, <laughs> who would come down and hang out with Japanese men. Right, right. I mean, that's you know, today Russia is so messed up. They don't really have a um, a big desire to probably get into a conflict with Japan, but the Soviet Union, it was very serious shit, you know, yeah. they were so close, and I don't know, I, I, I find it, and then you just, you find all these really interesting stories, like how the Mexicans flew an air mission, you know, what was right. what was really going on in, like, um, uh, you know, the Australians went up and, and fought in Lebanon and, and parts of, um, you know, Arabia at the time, and uh, all through Africa, and you know, when they say it's a world war, it's really a world war. And too often, I think in the United States, you you hear about um, just what the United States did, and and I don't mm-hmm. take a, I don't take away what the United States did, but um, if you really want to understand the whole conflict, you have to tell the stories about everybody else that was in the war, and you know, uh, that that's I find that interesting. But yeah. you know, I always learn something new. Um, yeah, I. I don't know. Then you just taught me about the forty, you know, the four forty seconds. So I'll, I'll read about that now. You know, cool man, cool. Yeah, I, I gotta say it's. Uh, I've been listening to you guys for about five years now. My my first show was actually the one where uh, you guys were discussing um, webcams. Oh, and that, and that, okay, yeah, it's a great show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a good show to start on. So, uh, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah it, it was it was it was fun uh, doing this with you. Yeah, and, cool man. Uh, thank you. Yeah, uh, you know. Um, if we ever actually cut down on the number of hosts, maybe we'll have you on uh, VGN sometime. But it's it's too chaos right now. I, d- I never know yeah, who the hell's going to be on sure, the freaking show. But um, 
Yeah, it was really interesting. Thanks for um, for giving us the scoop on Japan. I hopefully uh, everybody really enjoyed it. Uh, if you yeah. um, want to find out more about this show, uh, go to videogamenews.com. The first post on the front page will tell you how to get this show and all the rest of the shows that we record. Alex, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show. No, yeah, thank you, man. And, totally. And um, hopefully everybody's gotten a little more education out of it. I'm going to do another old blast on um, Saturday with a gentleman from... England, I think, is in the UK anyway, and um, that's going to be at um, 1 p.m. Eastern time due to the time zone um, differences, and so um, if you want to check out that show, uh, give a listen. Um, otherwise, I don't really have an outro for Oblast. If you want to send me an email, though, uh, you can send it to kbaird at <clears throat> vgn.us, and I'll read it on the air and answer any questions and all that good stuff. So um, thanks for listening. Take it easy. Peace. Peace.